The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way. A voice of one crying out in the desert, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. John the Baptist appeared in the desert, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. People of the whole Judean countryside and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they acknowledged their sins. John was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He fed on locusts and wild honey, and this is what he proclaimed. One mightier than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop and loosen the thongs of his sandals. I have baptized you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The Gospel of the Lord. You know, it's perhaps fitting that we get a, a, a literal crash and bang of the gospel before we get the opening of, of the, uh, the gospel of Mark, which really does come uh, with a crash and a bang. Um, yeah, there's, you know, Mark, really my favorite uh, gospel author, that there's never a wasted line. You know, there's never a wasted line in the, in the gospel. Uh, from the first line of, of the gospel contains almost the entirety of, of what Mark is, is going to communicate uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, as it were, the proclamation of good news that Jesus is king, uh, that will go out to every corner of creation. He is the reality of, of what Caesar is the parody, right? Caesar takes for himself the title son of God. Jesus is, in fact, uh, the son of God. And whereas, you know, good news of Caesar's imperial victory would, would go out to uh, the far corners of his conquered territory, uh, the, the good news, the authentic good news of the rule of Christ Jesus uh, goes out to the world, and the world rejoices in uh, freedom. The church rejoices in tranquility and peace. Uh, so there's, there's more than uh, enough to say about that. I think that uh, it's good for us to get a good look at, uh, at John the Baptist. You know, early in the penitential season of Advent, <clears throat> yeah, I snuck it in there for you. <clears throat> Advent is a Advent is a penitential season. Um, so this is why you know, look at it in in little more detail. Okay, let me let me step back and say, what is going on? What is going on in this gospel passage? Then we'll get into the penitential season, the renewal that God wants to affect in us. There's a lot of Exodus imagery in in this passage here in the gospel passage. Right, and we get it from uh, Isaiah, this, the proclamation of, uh, of peace. The messenger is ahead. He's preparing the way. Uh, here, comes the, here comes the reign of God. Right? This was a, a common call at the time of Jesus. We want no God but, sorry, we want no king but God. No king but God. It's why in the Passion narrative, when we hear from, uh, from some of the Israelites, no, there is no king but Caesar, we realize just, how upside down the, the whole project has, has become. So no, we want no king but God, and God will come to you, and he will reign, and his rule uh, will last uh, for all ages. His, last, his rule will, will cover um, uh, the, the corners of the earth. So here, here in, the, in the passage, we have that. You have John the Baptist is in the desert, right? The, the Exodus narrative, the desert narrative, the crossing of the Red Sea, John baptizing with water, right? We're, we're supposed to hear... Uh, all of these uh, close connections. What we see is, you know, ex the Exodus was Israel's freedom from 
Egypt and the coming into the promised land. Yeah, the, the exodus here that God is, uh, say, beginning to affect in the work of, of John the Baptist and then on is, is a freedom that I'm not sure that uh, anybody, say, knew the shape and character of what was to come. And yet they yearned for it, right? The people yearned for it. You see, you see in the passage, right, John the Baptist is in the desert, people of the whole Judean countryside and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem were going out to see him. This is, a, this is a massive movement of people, right? the eager anticipation that there was for the coming of Israel's Messiah, the rule of God. They want God to do something new. Right? I, I wonder whether or not, you know, given the turbulence of our times, whether or not we have hearts also that, that yearn for the new thing that God wants to do or not. This is part, this is part of the challenge, right, is that John is leading, he's, he's giving voice to the renewal movement, right? He's preparing the way for what God wants to do. We likewise understand that we have to also prepare the way for what God wants to do, what he wants to work in us and through us, okay? And in fact, if you take the, narr- if you take the Exodus narrative all the way to the end here, and you look at this, the eighth verse uh, here in the, in the first chapter of, of Mark's gospel, John is saying, I have baptized you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Right? Another way to, to translate the, the language of baptism is, you know, I have, I have plunged you into water, right? And, and they know, of course, um, the, the, uh, the renewing effects of water, the cleansing and purging, purifying effects of water. I have plunged you into water. He will plunge you into the Holy Spirit, right? So what John is, what John is doing, massively popular though it was, is just a, is just a shadow of what Jesus is going to, is going to be doing and what, and what he will accomplish. The que- and if we, look at the, if we look at the Exodus narrative again, how is it that God is with his people throughout that narrative? He's in a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. And yet here, as John is preparing the people for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we know what, how God wants to be with his people. He wants to dwell in them as the breath, right, the wind, the breath, the spirit of his own life of love. He wants, to fill, he wants them to, have, to have, their, have the fill of their lungs with his, with his own breath, enkindled by the fire of charity, right, by the fire of his own life of love. And so God wants to dwell in us in a yet more personal way. And the question then is whether, whether or not we're prepared to take that bigger step, as it were, okay? And that's why we've been, we've been given this season. It's one of the great reasons uh, for us to, to be introduced or reintroduced to John as the penitential character that he is. I want to take a look just at, at, at the way that he's described and say that, that John is the model uh, par excellence of, say, eager anticipation, right? And um, he is the model of, say, any penitential season that we celebrate in the church, of which Advent is one. Yeah, we see here it is. John was clothed in camel's hair. Okay? John was clothed in camel's hair. None of you seem to... Okay, yeah? No? Yeah? Yeah? Okay? Who? Oh, you're wearing camel's hair already. You know, like, this is... Yeah, this is quite uh, chic, actually, now. Um, no, it's... Uh, uh, and especially those of us who have sensory issues. This is, it's, camel's hair is a big problem, okay? It's not something that you want to wear on your body. He was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. Okay? He fed on locusts and wild honey. 
Okay, the, yeah, right, okay, there. Ray is getting it. The, he, yeah, the, the mo, he is the model par excellence of the penitential season. Okay, so what is he? He's dressed in finery. He's, he's eating and drinking whatever he wants. He's, you know, he's, every, his every desire is satisfied. Right? He's, he's living in the city. He has, he has the opportunity to take in all manner of entertainments. And what, no, he's in the desert. He's in the desert. He's wearing scratchy clothes. <laughs> he's eating bugs. Okay? This is, this is the model of penitential living. Okay? So if, if you want to take that as your penitential plan this season, be my, be my guest. Pray about it beforehand. Make sure that Jesus wants you to do it. But there, there you have it. No, the, the reality is that you know, John here, and let me, let, me, let me say this as well. Here, there, there are a couple of things going on that, that I think warrant our attention. One is this, yeah? The fact that John, the whole Judean countryside, the whole of Jerusalem is going out to see him. What does that mean? It means that he's the most popular person around. Yeah, he's leading a grassroots movement, and it's a movement that they think is going to topple the king, right? The the priests and and the the, the priests, the Pharisees, whatever it may be, he's gonna to, he's gonna topple all the rulers of the day, and he's leading that grassroots movement. He's massively popular. John is one of is one of the few um, figures, historical figures that we meet in the gospel that also appear in secular history. Yeah, in the text of Josephus, we see the appearance of John the Baptist, which just means that yeah, this this is actually what happened. He's massively, massively popular to the point that you're not able to write a history of that time without mentioning his name, yeah? Okay, now, what would we do with that? What would we do with that popularity? It's probably not even worth asking yourself that question. I want to lead you into temptation this morning, okay? But what would we do with that? I'm not sure that we'd have the will to do what John was doing with that, yeah? Again, he's living a life of penance. We would think, okay, well, you've got all these people coming to you, just... Ask them for a little bit of, you know, ask them for a contribution. You know, you know like, you're, you're changing their lives, right? Surely they would, they would respond with generosity to you. You could have every piece of clothing in the world. You could eat whatever you wanted to eat. You could live wherever you wanted to live, right? But no, this is not, that's not John the Baptist. But it's not, because, it's not simple penance that allows him to play that role. What allows him to play that role is the fact that he has grasped the fact that God has a call on his life, and he is devoting himself whole and entire to God. The, the kind of penitential practices are really just the, the embodiment and the, and the signs of his dedication to God and his way. So you see what happens after. He's, this, is, this is why. This is the why of it all, which we have to keep in mind in our penitential season and as we give ourselves over to penitential practices, an increase in prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. He said, one mightier than I is coming after me. This is, why, this is why he lives that way, because he lives in recognition and anticipation of the one who's coming after him. And he has to point out the Lord when he comes, right? I am not worthy to stoop and loosen the thongs of his sandals. Could you imagine the most popular person in the world saying something like that? To cement was, yeah, and he had those penitential practices to to cement that dedication in him. He knew that it wasn't. He knew that his life was not about him, yeah. And the way that the way that he lived allowed him to live, allowed him to um, uh, to freely embrace that all-encompassing call that God has on his life and that God has on our life. 
So in that sense, my friends, we, we also have to, yeah, John is the model. We have to give ourselves to God in every practical way, right? We, we have, of course, we always have the, the loftiest of ambition and we have the, you know, we, we, we dream about all the ways that, yeah, of course, you know, we, we are dedicated to God. We love him and the rest. We have to, we have to do it. We have to grow in, in practical ways, right? The rubber has to hit the road. When you look, when you look at the prophecy of Isaiah in the first reading, Right? He's, we're talking about making straight the way of the Lord. He's talking about you know, mountains being knocked down and valleys being filled in. Right? This is not just the stuff of wishful thinking. It's like, no, we, we, not only do I have to recommit myself to the Lord, we have to do it together. Right? We, want to, we want to make way for Jesus and his rule because we know that that's our liberation and that's the, that, that will uh, yield the full flourishing of, of our entire life. So yeah, okay. We have, to, we have to commit ourselves. I say we have to. We get to. Yeah, we have the great privilege of devoting ourselves to God in every practical way. Yeah, so what is it going to be? Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. We ought to have something in each, in each space. The reason why is because we were, we were made by love, and we were made for love. We were, we were made out of generous self-giving, right? The generous self-giving of love is the reason why anything at all exists. And we live for generous self-giving in as much as we're, we're made in the image and likeness of God, right? So the success of our life, the flourishing of our life is not going to be in material things or the satisfaction of my desires. The success of my life, the flourishing of my life is going to be living according to the gift the gift that God has given, his own self, his own life of love, and then pouring myself out in his praise and in his service. That's the renewal that God has come to effect. That's the, re- that's the renewal that Jesus is going to effect from this point on. That's the renewal that John is preparing the people for. And one of the ways to live into that renewal, right, is by growing in prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Prayer, love of God, fasting, proper love of self, and almsgiving is love of neighbor. And so, so, we, so we have to ask ourselves, right, in, in this penitential season, are we growing in those ways? Are we anticipating in the present the rule of our coming king? Right? And it's not, a, it's not a matter of simply like turning up the, the dial on, um, on my own kind of uh, moral achievement. It's not the, it's not the point at all. Right? We, we, would be missing, we would be missing the point of the penitential season if we thought that this was just about our trying harder. Right? Well, it's about our coming into closer contact with the coming king. It's about honoring him in everything we do. It's about dedicating our entire heart and life to him. He is then affecting in us the renewal. That is God's work. It's his mighty work. It's perhaps even a miracle. Right? The, the restoration of, of my life is perhaps the, the most powerful miracle that I'm ever going to witness. Yeah, the, the, the ability to respond to God's call to live out my life in the, in the manner of his own life is, is a great work that hopefully we get to, we get to witness in ourselves. We get, to, we get to witness as we come in close contact with each other as well. Okay, so this is, this is it, my friends. God is, God is doing something new. We desire it. We want to be a part of it. And as Jesus comes, our, our coming King and Lord, as he calls us, we want to respond with everything we've got. We want to rise to meet the demands of love 
with the power of heaven itself, with the power of his own spirit being breathed into us so that we can draw deeply from that wellspring of all salvation and our hearts might be enkindled by his own life of love that we might set the world afire.